Seattle Wave Radio. Your Seattle, your scene. Welcome to Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com. And be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness, and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Our guest today is co-host of ABC's The Chew, was fan favorite on Bravo TV's Top Chef All-Stars, and that could be none other than the wonderful Carla Hall. Carla's new cookbook that's about to be released is called Carla's Comfort Food, Favorite Dishes from Around the World, and is a follow-up to her last hugely successful cookbook, Cooking with Love. Thank you, Carla, for coming on. Hi, Lori. Thank you for having me. I am so excited about this new cookbook because I don't know if this is just American of me or what, but I didn't even realize that other countries had comfort foods. I thought that was an American thing. I know, you know, I think people think that, but I think that any foods that you are going to have at home, um, in the home kitchen, is pretty much comfort food. It's the, those are the foods that I think we're drawn to. Mm-hmm. And it, it varies, especially in the United States, region to region, as, uh-huh. as far as what comfort foods are. Although I do think that we in the South kind of have mastered that comfort food level. Absolutely. Well, I think that because I'm because I'm African American and because, as you know, I'm from Tennessee, people automatically just put me in that region. But there are other foods that I like to have that you know I'm craving, and it's generally those foods around the world that make me feel warm and cozy. So you know that's what this book is all about, and it's and it's also about exploring spices. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk to you about spices because I, I'm not sure that in the in the U.S. we utilize spices as much as maybe other parts of the world do. Well, I think that when you when you really think about Indian food and Southeast Asia, you think of spices and you think they know how to use spices. And I think sometimes in the states we are a little apprehensive about using spices, especially when you're from cultures where salt, maybe it's salt and pepper in the Midwest, salt, pepper, a little bit of garlic. You don't really know how to use spices. So this is about showing you, even if you make five different different dishes all the time, macaroni and cheese, maybe a roast, a roasted chicken or a pot roast and two others, the idea with using the spice chart in my book is that you can change those five dishes now, and there are 20 different cuisines. Let's say you only pick four. Now you have 20 different ways to have a dish in your repertoire instead of five. Well, and then you also talk about grinding your spices and putting them in, into bags, and, 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 and that way they're easy to go to when you do need them yes. to kind of be proactive about it. Yes. Well, my husband makes this curry chicken about twice a month. And I said, Matthew, why don't you just make a big batch of the spice mix so that when you, you know you're going to make this dish again, why don't you just have the spices ready because it will encourage you to just cook and then it's a lot faster for you. So and I encourage people to do that, to make it easy. Yeah, on yourself, because if, if you're not prepared, then you're going to skip that step every, every yeah. time. You just, and, and spices are so 
important to to adding not only adding but enhancing i guess uh so much of mm-hmm. what you're doing with with the with the dish exactly right there's there's a place in Seattle called Seattle Spice Merchants, and the first time that I ever went in there, I just it was just filled with spices, and they would and they grind them for you. I was so happy to be there, but I didn't know what I needed or what to mm-hmm. do, so I kind of went with some things that I picked up from your show, like um, truffle salt. You guys are always talking about truffles and truffle salt. Yeah, it looks expensive, <laughs> but, but but when I went in there, it, it wasn't hor- horribly bad. But uh, I, I just kind of went with the things that you guys had said, and then I I came back and, and tried to apply them, which is what I really like about the show that you is it really makes cooking more friendly. One thing that I've really yes. noticed about the show is that when you guys are cooking, you're laughing and talking and and having this fellowship even while you're cooking. Normally when I'm cooking, I'm like looking at a book. I'm very serious. I don't want anyone talking to me because I don't want to mess up because it's people's food that you're going to right, be dealing right. with. But, but I've really noticed with you guys that you don't have to be so serious. You can laugh and cook and, and still make a good meal while having a, a conversation and not kind of be locked away, huddled, you know, like you're in a chemistry yeah. lab trying to make a, a meal for everybody. Well, that's, well, that's about, that's what the food is, uh, I'm sorry, that's what the show is about, food lifestyle. And I think that when you think about your grandmother in the kitchen, it was a little pinch of that, a little pinch of this, and she wasn't intimidated about how the dish came out. She was concerned about the people she was feeding. So it, it becomes really about sharing your love through food and not this experiment that could possibly go wrong. I think that when you take the pressure off yourself, and it is about having fun, and, you know, if, if the recipe doesn't turn out the way that you want the first time, you have the opportunity to do it again. Ab- absolutely. And if, if, if you're drinking a little wine or something along the way, maybe it kind of takes the edge off as well. Although I, I, I know from watching the show, you're not a big drinker. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> How do you stay so fit? You have these cookbooks. You, I also want to talk about the cookies that, that you sell um, to a lot of places on the East Coast. And for people on the West Coast and in Middle America, we can buy them on, on your website, com. But how do you mm-hmm. stay so fit? You, you, I'm sure you have to test out all these recipes. I have to test them. But as you know, my cookies are the size of sugar cubes. I practice moderation. And I don't mean that in like a a snooty way or even a way that, oh, she's thin and this is how she eats. I love food. I don't eat low-fat foods. I have all the fat, probably all the sugar, but I'm going to have it in small amounts. And I just want to enjoy that bite. And I don't remember who said it, but after three bites, the law of diminishing returns, you know, you're not going to get any more out of that bite. But I also want to try a lot of different things. And so that enables you to be able to try a lot of a lot of different little things and then still become full and not feel like you're miss, missing out. Yes, exactly right. But Lori, I want to tell you, as part of my life and the, the joy of getting to talk to me is the fact that I'm commuting from New York to D.C. So in the background, you may hear that I'm on the train, you hear people around me because I'm at Union Station now. That's how I roll. <laughs> well, I... I, I definitely wanted to ask you about, about that because you live in D.C., but you work primarily in New York City. So is that a daily commute for you, or is it something, did you spend the night in New York? 
throughout the week? Yes, I have. Uh, I ha- yes, I spend the night in New York throughout the week. I have an apartment in New York, and then I go home on the weekends. Um, in a perfect world, it'll be every other weekend, and then Matthew comes to New, to New York, my husband, every other weekend. And um, so neither of us is traveling every week. But right now, it seems like I have, I've had something every weekend in D.C. So well, off to D.C. I go. <laughs> well, you are very, very busy. And one of the things that might help you be able to see your family is sometimes your mom comes on the two, and that's always fun. Uh, yes, my my beautiful mom, Audrey, she is a Southern gal, and she lives she still lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and she comes up, so it's really fun. It's really fun that people got to see her on the show. But she doesn't cook, and she doesn't pretend like she cooks, and as much as I cook, she does the exact opposite. <laughs> so she's, she's sweet. I even have in my first book, Cooking with Love, uh, there's a recipe called Hamburger Help Me because I wanted to celebrate the hamburger helper that she used to make for us when we were kids. Well, what do you think is the state of Southern cooking right now? Is is it a dying art? Absolutely not. No. Uh, on the contrary, I think Southern food right now is really hot. Nashville's hot chicken is becoming really popular. Uh, as a matter of fact, and I'm so glad I did it, I have a recipe for the hot, the hot chicken in my second cookbook, Carlos Comfort Foods. I think if you really believe in trends, trends are, are just somebody taking a spotlight and shining it on something that happens already. Right now, southern food is a big trend, and the spotlight is on it, and I think it's, it's really great to see. It's really great to see. And I, and I think there's a misnomer that all southern food is fattening because it is about farm to table, and I think people are taking that care and having really fresh ingredients and local ingredients, and it's delicious. And I'm so, so happy about it. Well, I, I think people are starting to buy, and, and of course, again, going back to the the tremendous impact I really feel like that the chew has had on the average person at home, uh, showing us how to buy local, showing us how to buy fresh, um, sustainable. Uh, it, it's really a, a teaching show that that doesn't go over our head. It's it, it's mm-hmm. uh, very relatable person to person. It translates from you on the TV to us at home. Well, and then we think a lot about it. I mean, even in uh, in my spice chart, I want. We, we are looking at approachable recipes on the chew. We're also looking at ingredients that you can buy in your grocery store, um, just like in my book. I, don't, I think about how many pots and pans you're going to use. Can you get the ingredients in the grocery store? If there is a specialty ingredient, I will tell you that you can get it online or I will give you a substitute for it. Because the thing is, people want to be able to, they want to feel like they will have a success in the kitchen. And there is nothing better than to hear the success story of someone saying that they did your dish and it's a favorite now in their family and they can toot their own horn, toot, toot, honk, honk, ah, because it was so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you went all over the world with with your, your new cookbook with the comfort foods from around the world. You were had some African dishes as, as, as well mm-hmm. as dishes from the, you know, the, the United States. Yes. German um, and all kinds of stuff. Well, exactly. But if you look at the ingredients, cinnamon, caraway seeds, fennel seeds, chilies, curry, which is the blend, you will see that there's nothing that is 
an ingredient that you don't know or a spice that you don't know. It's how that different cuisine puts them together that makes it different. My brother-in-law is actually from Liberia, so he's from West Africa, and I've been to Egypt, and I have lots of friends from Ghana, so I've had their food. But the one thing about their food and the one thing that this book is not, it is not the authentic dish. I am taking, it's my take on the flavors of this particular cuisine, but it's also based on my palate and what I like. The thing is, I cannot run away from my southern palate. I just can't, you know, they say you can never go home again, but I, I like things probably a little sweeter. I like, I do like sour because that's, that I just like sour. You know, I, I love the pickle. I love mm-hmm. so many things. And a lot of my recipes may kind of uh, be slanted in that way, but I am exploring the spices of that cuisine. So if somebody comes mm-hmm. along from West Africa and they'll say, oh, this isn't a Kalalu that, that I grew up with, absolutely, they are right, and it's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about southern cooking and and so much sugar, but I grew up that way too. I, I never realized that sugar didn't go on grilled cheese until we moved west and was making grilled cheese, and people were like, why are you putting sugar on your grilled cheese? I don't even know if that is a southern thing, but it, in my house, it, it was a southern thing. So oh, my nice. mom would put would put sugar on her grilled cheeses. Oh, yeah, I don't just know that. It. I never did it. <laughs> and so it it would just make it just it was really good it was it, it I don't know and then I was making it for someone one time and they're like what are you doing and I'm like I'm making a grilled cheese sandwich they'd never even seen anything like that I'm like oh, okay but we and we dump it in our tea and we dump it in our food and yep. there's just something about <laughs> sugar that, that we love we and, and, and savory like you were saying yeah, and I, I, we used to have sugar on our rice. So if we had um, meatloaf and rice and peas, we would have sugar and butter mm-hmm. in our rice, you know. Us um, too, yes. Yep, us too, <laughs> sugar and butter in our rice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I love sweets, but it's so funny. I don't like sweet sweets, though. Um, but, you know, the one thing that we do not put sugar in, and that's cornbread. Yep, I don't know about right. you, but we didn't put sugar in our cornbread. We and, didn't either, nope. You didn't either. <laughs> Sugar goes in everything but your cornbread. <laughs> oh, that's funny. How, how did you come across your love for cooking if, if, if your mom wasn't a big cook? I love food. I always loved food. I would eat until I was sick. My mom would say, Carla, stop eating. I mean, I would eat a whole bag of oranges. If I liked something, I would just keep eating it until my stomach was so full, and it, it was crazy. I started loving to cook after I spent some time in France, just like the Sunday suppers that I would have at my grandmother's house that I would just come in when it was time to eat. The culture of standing around in the kitchen while people were cooking, I was there and I started watching what people were doing and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I started buying cookbooks and it was just as simple as that. And it just made the memories of the Sunday suppers at my grandmother's house that much sweeter. So... I was like, oh, I could do this. And, it, it, you know, buying cookbooks, it was like puzzles. Making food, looking at recipes were like puzzles to me. What was the first cookbook you ever bought? Do you remember? Um, the first cookbook I bought was, I feel like it was like the CIA cooking from A to Z. And I, I went to this bookstore. I feel like I got it in Paris because I was looking for a, uh, an American, uh, a book in English. And it was cooking from A to Z. 
And I still have that cookbook. I still have a lot of my first cookbooks. And then I would buy cookbooks on bread. I would buy a lot of magazines. I would buy these appetizer magazines. <laughs> but, so um, a lot of the cookbooks that, uh, yeah, yeah, so that was it, cooking from A to Z. People really keep their cookbooks. They, they never give them up. I, I know my mom has them from when she was a little girl, and I'm sure that you're probably getting people coming up with uh, bringing your, your cookbooks up now, and it's their first mm-hmm. cookbook. I know, yes, their first cookbook, which is exciting. And sometimes I have people coming through the line to, for their, cook, their cookbooks to be autographed to their children. So, and the child is like five. So that's exciting. You know, I also have a lot of my old Southern Living magazines from way back when. That's how they taught us how to live with Southern Living magazines. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And all those recipes, yeah. Well, the, uh, the, the show's been really successful. Can, can you kind of just share with us before we let you go um, what some of your best memories so far of the show are? Oh, wow. Um, my, my first, you know, we're talking about first cookbook the first time that I totally slipped out and realized that we were a show bringing on celebrities was having Jamie Oliver on. And I have been, I've been loving Jamie Oliver for a long time, way before he went to West Virginia and did that show um, when I was in London. And so I totally slipped out. Oh, my God, I love you, I love you, I love you. So that was one of my favorite moments. And there's a picture with him, like, wide-eyed, like, oh, my gosh, this, I need a restraining order from this girl. <laughs> Having um, Hugh Jackman, that was fun. Oh, we did another fun moment was when there was a flash mob with Maxim, who's on Dancing with the Stars. That was really, really fun. That was awesome. And dancing on Newsies. I got to dance in the play Newsies. Oh, yeah. It always looks like you guys are having such fun, and it's like, how do you even top that day after day? Because it's just it's just like one big party, it seems like, every time. And you guys mesh so good. For having all these personalities, it just seems mm-hmm. like you guys just really do get along. We do. We're, we're all really good friends, and we all know each other's spouses, and we do things outside of work. And it's just, it really is, it feels like when you say that when you watch the show and you feel like you're joining in the party, it's truly a party on set, and the audience is there to have fun with us. And the fact that you feel that way means you get it, and it just makes us really happy that we can kind of share that those moments that we're having with each other. Well, it it, it it translates if you don't take yourself so seriously. A lot of times we've seen right. kind of cooking shows and chefs kind of just being almost really stuffy. And, uh-huh. and I think that's kind of where, where we started putting the pressure on ourselves that, you know, we have yes. to cook really good. And then along comes the two, and here's these five people, and they're just they're having so much fun, and they're cooking, and they're laughing, and they're not taking themselves so seriously. And then it translates back back out to us that, listen, you can cook, and you can have fun, and you can have yes. you can let it rain down salt, and you're not going to die. And um, you don't have right, to eat right. processed foods. And, and there's simple things that, that, that you can do to enhance your life. And, and it, it, it did it. It really, I think, had a huge impact on making cooking fun again for, for many people, including myself. Well, you, you know what, Lori, the one thing that we love, like when something doesn't go right and it's kind of messed up, we love that because we are going to show you how to recover because we're going to recover. As a person cooking, we're going to recover, and you actually get to see in real time how someone recovers when something doesn't quite go well. 
and we're actually cooking on set. I mean, there are some things that we bring in that, that if they're stews and long cooking um, items that, you know, that set up to cook for an hour or so. But there are a lot of dishes that we're making right there in real time. And if something goes wrong, we fix it. And you, you get a lesson. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And that I cannot thank you enough for because it's, it, it just makes the whole show fun. And I've been to the website, the, the Choose website, a million times looking up dishes, and you guys are really good about putting them all there. I'm going to get Carla's Comfort Foods cookbook so that I can have it. And when I run into you, I'm going to be standing there with somebody, and I'm going to have it signed because these are things that I, I, I know that your cookbooks are going to translate to fun because that's what you guys are all about on the Chew and making making it accessible and easy for us to also do this at home. It's not like those cooking shows where you see it and you're like, I'll never be able to make that. I'll order it when I go out, but I'll never be mm-hmm. able to make that. You, you, you give us alternatives that, that, that we can actually do at home. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Carla, I really appreciate you coming on more than you know because I am just a huge fan of this show. And I want to encourage everyone, they can go to your website. You have a fantastic website. Your cookies are sold on there that look amazing, savory and sweet cookies. So um, if if you're not in the East Coast area, you can go to CarlaHall.com and you can have these shipped to you online and you can get the cookbooks there um, available either now or on pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, IndieBound, iTunes, everywhere books are sold, and then make it to these events and talk to Carla. You see how approachable she is and get your book signed and put it in your library and pass it on from generation to generation. Thank you, Carla. Have a great Thank day. You Enjoy so much, your, your commute if you can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was a great time with Carla Hall from ABC's The Chew. We're going to be right back. Hi, friends. We have a brand new sponsor, Audible.com. You can go to audible.com slash Northwest Prime and sign up for a free download and choose from thousands and thousands of best-selling and new release books. You can also exchange a book anytime, no questions asked. We all lead busy lives, but we can download this free Audible.com app to our Android, our iPhone, iPad, Windows, Kindle, Fire, you name it. It's easy to take with you on the go, whether you're working out, in the car, cooking at home, on the way to visit a friend, however you want, you can stay up to date with the greatest books in the world through this wonderful library. I recently chose Crusher by Niall Leonard. This mystery crime drama was filled with action. It was like I was watching a movie. The narrator spoke in an English accent, and I just felt like I was right there in London town. If you choose to stay with Audible, it's only $14.95 a month, and you can cancel at any time. At least check it out. It's free. See if it's for you. Tell them Northwest Prime sent you. That's audible.com slash Northwest Prime and get to reading when it works for you. I want to thank our guest today, Carla Hall from ABC's The Chew, a fan favorite on Bravo TV's Top Chef All-Stars, for talking with us in the middle of her commute from Washington, D.C. back to New York City. I encourage you to check out her book, 
her new cookbook that's coming out, Carla's Comfort Foods, Favorite Dishes from Around the World. She's going to show you how you can incorporate a lot of spice, not just salt and pepper like we do here in the United States, but really incorporating spices into your dishes. And then she also has another cookbook out that was hugely successful called Cooking with Love. And you can go to CarlaHall.com to find out more information. We're going to end the show today with Jessica Lynn. Jessica is a Seattle singer-songwriter, originally from Denmark. She was invited by NBC's The Voice to come and try out, along with many other singing accomplishments. Uh, she was the winner of one of the 52, 52 Year in Your Ear that London Tone Music has out right now. So they are choosing 52 artists, one a week for 52 weeks to make a single and put out there, do a video. You can find out more information on that at londontonemusic.com. And Jessica Lynn is just an amazing, amazing thing. And the reason I chose her is because Carla is from Nashville, Tennessee, as uh, my family is also from East Tennessee. And Jessica is a country western singer and she just recently came back from Nashville. So this is Jessica Lynn's Calling Me Home. You can find out more about her at londontonemusic.com. I try to remember, but I try to. 
Well, that's our show. We would like to thank our listeners, our guests, and of course, our sponsor, Audible.com. We've included an easy one-click link to audible.com where you can just go and browse and check out and see if catching up on your reading is right for you through an audiobook. The first book is free. doesn't cost anything to check it out. So check it out. Get back with us. Let us know what you think. And be sure to also check out northwestprime.com for this interview and other great interviews that we've had with numerous celebrities and other entertainers in the past. Thanks and have a great day. This is Larry Russ, former keyboardist and vocalist for the classic rock band Iron Butterfly. I'm hanging out rocking with Seattle Wave Radio.